On this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum, our special guest today is Roger Brown from the Union Leader and also his websites, the NewHampshireHardball.com and NewHampshireFootballReport.com and Coach Bill Taylor. Welcome aboard, gentlemen. Roger and I attended the uh, NHIAA Division I and II championship games that took place at Lundholm Gymnasium at UNH, and it was uh, a marathon four games and, and, well, some really great basketball, Roger. Yeah, the first three games were terrific, uh, right down to the wire. Uh, the fourth one was not close, but I, I don't think that was a surprise. Those Hanover girls are terrific. But if you're a basketball fan or a high school basketball fan, um, you got your money's worth if you hung around for those first three games. All, right. all just fabulous games. Uh, one went to overtime. At least one went to overtime. Two, two, I guess, right? And, uh, hmm. um, you know, right down to the last second. You can't ask for much more than that. Well, the uh, opener was, uh, well, 10 o'clock in the morning, the Division One boys game. And, and that, to me, was the the, the uh, Cadillac matchup. You had the uh, Trinity Pioneers, the number one seed, going up Goffstown Grizzlies. Uh, where were they? Seeded three in the tourney or four? Uh, yeah, Goffstown was three. National North was two. Yeah, I had seen both of those teams play against the Blue Hawks uh, here at Exeter, and uh, I, I just when I saw Trinity and they came in because they had some health issues, and uh, with only ten players, they took us to school, and uh, I could tell that they were the team to beat. And this kid, uh, the coach's son, Tyler Bike, uh, who was their quarterback of the basketball team, he was really impressive. Exeter had some good runs against them. The Blue Hawks had some good runs, but when it came down to crunch time, uh, Bike and, and the Pioneers just locked it in. So anyway, that was the uh, championship game for D1, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was kind of like, these kids, how are they going to react to being this early in the morning? And coach, you had hit upon it. Uh, when you're going for the gold, when you're going for the championship, no matter what time of the day or night, you're ready to play, right? That's correct. Yeah, I, that's, that's correct. Great. You know, as a coach, you said that you just uh, basically don't overdo it, especially since it's that early morning start. You just get kids into a good frame of mind, uh, you know, get the shots down and uh, and then say, OK, let's play ball. <laughs> well, and both teams shot well over 50 percent. You know, usually teams don't shoot well in Durham. Mm. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, unfamiliarity or what have you. But in this game, despite being early, um, you know, they they both had uh, terrific field goal percentages for the game. So, yeah, they did. It didn't seem to affect uh, play at all in a negative way. And the Grizzlies, they uh, they played us tough here at Exeter. And uh, uh, their quarterback of their team, Rob Bagidi, uh, he, he took charge for the Grizzlies, uh, both here when he played the Blue Hawks and over at Lundholm. I mean, it was it was a it was a slobber knocker. Trinity was leading. Uh, looked like maybe they'd break away. Goffstown came roaring back. And another uh, key factor, we didn't get to see him play uh, here at Exeter, but he was a factor over in Lundholm, was Peyton Strickland, their uh, center, who also is going to be one of the tight ends for the UNH Wildcats in the fall. So that was kind of interesting to see him uh, get get uh, show his muscle there, literally. Yeah, he played a good game. You know, Goffstown was was uh, less than full strength almost the whole season. They had numerous guys out for a variety of reasons, but they 
they finally came together and were at hundred percent at the end of the year. And, you know, Strickland, I thought played, he gave him a lot. Uh, uh, you know, he's an off the bench kid, but he gave him a lot on Sunday. And, you know, of course the, the key play was the technical that was called on him that I didn't get to see. I was typing, you know, uh, a lot of people question it, of course. Um, but, you know, it, it was, it's just such a huge call at that point in the game, right? It's a championship game. It's tight. It's mm-hmm. late. And you're going to give one team four free throws in the ball. That's a lot to overcome. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's warranted, fine. And I'm not saying it was or wasn't. I, I didn't see the play. Uh, again, I was, I think it was a block shot and I looked up and there were T and, you know, uh, Strickland, um, you know, but if it, but if it was not the right call, that's, that's a, that's a tough one at that point in the season and in that game. You know, I thought it might've been something you said, but watching the replay of the game later, uh, Strickland kind of brushed up against bike and bike sold it by going down to the hardwood, uh, and I have to give the, the officials credit. Uh, the game started to heat up at the end, and the referees just didn't want to lose control of the game. Uh, Good point. Despite everything, Glasstown was still in position to win the championship, you know, with a, with, with a field goal there at the end. The Division Two boys game, that was uh, a slobber knocker as well. It went to overtime. It was Sauhegan versus Conval. Yeah, and – Two even teams from what I saw, um, you know, I, I would say uh, of all the teams day that came up on the losing end, I was most impressed with, with Conval. I thought they played just terrific team basketball. A lot of talent in uh, Division One basketball for the boys. Uh, do you think, Roger, that Trinity is going to have a, a challenge defending their title next season? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be easy for Trinity next year. Uh, they lose. They do lose one senior. We should be in for a good, good Division One season next year. There is a lot of talent returning on a lot of teams. Who is the big guy for Pinkerton? Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I was very. Yeah, he's uh, he's not a lot of big men out there these days. But I he know. Can do it near the rim, or he can. You know, as he showed against Portsmouth. Well, Coach Taylor, if you have a team with height, how do you, as an opponent, address that? Well, I don't know if you can compensate for height, but what you try and do is, okay, do they want to play the game fast? Mm -hmm. Do they want to play the game slow? Uh, So you you try to tailor your defense to making them do something they don't want to do. You've got to take the ball out of his hands somehow. If you're in a half-court situation, do you play a box and one? Do you play two and a triangle? Mm. Do you play some kind of matchup zone where you have somebody looking to deny him all the time? If they want to uh, slow it down, do you run some kind of maybe a full-court press or maybe a half-court trap? Where you take the ball, try to get the ball out of his hands, so that he doesn't beat you. Okay. It's the, the what the issue is is you want to try and make the their players who are not as good shooters try to beat you, and at times it works, at mm-hmm. times it doesn't. Now height doesn't necessarily mean success, so. 
how do you work to make a big player better, Coach? Well, there are all kinds of agility drills that you can do to try and make a person more agile and to improve their footwork. And by the way, that was something I wanted, I was going to interject on. I don't know if Roger's aware of this, but uh, oftentimes college coaches would scout football players playing basketball because they wanted to check their feet. Mm. Did they have good footwork? Could they run? Mm. Were they agile? Uh, Could they change directions quickly? And, uh, you know, they looked at that. So it wasn't just strictly football that they were scouted on. They wanted to check on their agility and watching them play basketball was a perfect way to do that. Yeah, well, that makes, uh, makes sense. The other thing is, is what you've got to do is you've got to, you know, in today's day and age, everybody wants to shoot the three-pointer, and that's great. But the thing is, with a big guy who is just learning the game after your agility drills, you've got to get him close to the basket, mm-hmm. work on, you know, there are all kinds of rebounding drills, blocking right. out drills. Right that they can go on, but then, okay, can he catch the ball? Can he drop step and lay it in? So you work on, you have some basic drills that you work on that even if they're starting as a freshman coming in, if they have size, you got to remember, you can't teach size. Correct. You know, and you just go from there. The three-point shot uh, has changed basketball forever. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, I have to admit, especially in the schoolboy game. You know, I, I agree with you, Sherm. Personally, I, I'm not – I don't like the three – I mean, I understand the value of the three-point shot, right, right. but I'm not a fan of it. And if you – you know, when you watch – high school kids are going to watch professional basketball yeah. or they're going to watch college basketball. Yeah. And what you're seeing – a lot, especially in the pro game, is isolation, mm-hmm. where guys just run to a spot on the floor, they spread the floor, they try to run a pick and roll, and one guy just isolates with the basketball and fires it up. Mm. And I don't know. That's not my brand of basketball. In my opinion, the inside game is where it's at on offense, and obviously defense wins the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, no more so than the like the Trinity game that we mentioned. It was a steal, right? That was yeah. one of the biggest plays. Defense won it for them. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you talk about driving to the basket, Sherm, I, I, I was very impressed with the Bishop and girls uh, in that respect. They, they took the ball to the hoop and got fouled. And, I mean, time and time again, and it wasn't just their point guard, Brooke, Paquette, who, who did it at the end and kind of took over. I think she made seven free throws in the last minute and a half or something, but they had several girls, you know, just not afraid to attack the basket right, right. and um, draw fouls. Um, not to say the boys didn't do that uh, as well, but uh, Girton uh, really impressed me in that area in their, in their victory. Another sore spot for me, uh, free throws, missing them. Uh, that's losing points. Uh, on the scoreboard, and of course, it makes a difference. And free throws are important. 
Because like you said, the two big things on free throws. Number one, they're free and they're not contested. And number two, especially if you're trailing, the clock has stopped. So they are a way to get yourself back in the game without the clock right. moving. Right. So because when you're behind, the clock is your enemy. Right. Kids are too busy with the three-pointer coach, right? They're, they can't make the close ones because they don't practice them. They're all behind the line, <laughs> you know? Right. No, you're right. And I just want to say, uh, end of the game management, kudos to all the teams involved uh, in the championship series. Uh, management of fouls at the end of the game, it's imperative uh, to know where you're at and to keep the other team from going to the free throw line. Trinity had they, I think they had a free throw there right at the end that would have put them up three. And then we would have had the, you know, do you foul or, or not mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, their coach Keith bites and they were definitely going to foul and put them at, put Goss down at the line. So who knows how that would have turned out, but it would have sparked some good conversation about strategy, you know, regardless. Well, overall, it was a long, but a great day of basketball at Lundholm Gymnasium in Durham and kudos to the people at the NHIAA and the folks at UNH for putting on a great event championship Sunday coach. I want to jump to hockey, uh, bring us up to speed with the Exeter Blue Hawk girls team. Boy, they're come together at the right time. We have a big game tonight, uh, against Manchester central. And if we win that, I think we're in good. Good, good. We're going to make the playoffs. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. The hockey teams are playing a regular season that ends in March, uh, as opposed to the basketball had the accelerated season this year. So I guess my question to you, Roger, is do you think that the accelerated season worked and will it come back next year? Well, you got to remember that when we say basketball, half the state didn't go to the shortened schedule. They said, no, thank you. So it's not like we the whole state shortened their season. Okay. Uh, it was mostly, I think, the Division One and Two ADs, and you know, the smaller schools just looked at that and said, "You guys are nuts," you know. And then I think once the season started, all the Division One and Two people agreed with the Division Three and Four people, you know. And mm-hmm. it didn't take long. I, you know, I, I'm sure it's going to go back to a um, maybe not as as lengthy of a season as it has been in the past, but I, I'd be very surprised if we see a short season like this again, you know, uh, very few people liked it. Uh, you could argue that it was good. Uh, I don't want to bring up the COVID subject because it's so touchy with everybody, but maybe with people getting, um, you know, not, not being able to play because of it, it was good to get a group of games, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a short amount of time. But you could argue that if you were out, you know, you missed a third of your schedule, you know, if you just missed uh, – a week or two as well. So both sides of the coin there, but I, yeah, I don't, I didn't see any benefit to it with less practice time. Um, yeah, no, I didn't, you know, tougher to make up games. Um, I didn't see any real benefit. I agree with Roger. I don't see a benefit really. I mean, I, I know they're trying to give kids some a break, but I think if you talk to the athletes, they want the practice time and they want to get better at their skill and they want to play. I mean, most kids, they want to play all year long. So 
I, I agree. I, I, I don't see the benefit in doing that. I don't think, I certainly hope hockey doesn't do it. I, I don't think they could because, again, schools don't, in basketball, schools have their own gyms. Mm-hmm. In hockey, schools don't have their own rinks. Right. So they're relying on a town rink or a public rink or a private rink or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, hockey could never do it. I haven't spoken to you gentlemen in a couple of weeks. Uh, the Super Bowl. Just wanted to get your take on the game and the ads. Let's start off with you, Roger. A good game. You know, I was happy there was a close game. Um, I didn't come away feeling like either team was anything extraordinary. Um, you know, so long ago, I, I kind of forget uh, how it unfolded there, to be honest with you, sure. But, um, you know, boiled down to, I guess, Cincinnati's inability to to protect quarterback, you know, in the second half. Um, but I thought it was entertaining. Uh, I, I go into the Super Bowl rooting for a close game more than anything, you know, avoid a blowout and I'm happy. And uh, the ads are becoming less and less important to me. I don't even... I don't know. I guess I missed a lot of the good ones because I read about them in the the paper the next day. And I was like, I don't remember seeing this. So either I wasn't paying attention or, or they didn't stand out to me. What about you coach, Uh, your take on the Super Bowl and the advertisements? Well, you know what? I'm going to do it vice versa. I I'm kind of like Roger. I watched the ads, but uh, nothing really stood out to me. I didn't, you know, you didn't want to run out and, and buy Bitcoin. <laughs> no, I did not. The game, yeah. I mean, my take on it. I wish they would have made the MVP a co-MVP. Cooper Cup was huge down the stretch. I agree, mm-hmm. but boy, was he any more or less important than Aaron Donald? I would have liked to have seen a defensive lineman be named co-MVP because he was a dominant player on the field. Good point. And uh, I think he deserved the recognition. I thought, don't get me wrong, Cup was was great. I mean, he was clutch. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I agree with uh, Roger – Cincinnati's got to start spending some draft choices on offensive linemen because people forget as good as Cincinnati and Joe Burrow were, he got sacked more than any other quarterback during the year. And, you know, he's got to be able to hold up. So they've got to protect them. Roger, anything on the New Hampshire schoolboy division one football uh, schedule for 2022 that you've heard about? Um, a few snags here lately. So the schedules are still being worked on. Uh, this has gone quite a bit longer than people had hoped. So, uh, no news to report there. Okay. I heard something Roger for you. Just you're talking about schedules. Exeter has, I guess they couldn't play Bishop Gert. No, I'm just going to stop you right there. Coach. They could have. (laughs) <laughs> but they're not going to. And that's part right, of the... You're playing uh, a Vermont school. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Get the details on your HampshireFootballReport.com. <laughs> well, well I don't understand the comings or goings, but I was, that's what I was told. And uh, so well, I looked at that. I won't tell you who found that Vermont School for Exeter, but somebody did a good job uh, in that regard. Um, the, um, the the long and short of it with BG is, and I'll try and be brief because this gets complicated, but everybody has a bye week this year. A lot of schools will be playing out-of-state opponents, which do not count for New Hampshire. Like Pinkerton is playing Brockton. So somebody... Mm-hmm pointed out that if you played a New Hampshire opponent during your bye week, they claimed you had an unfair advantage because that game would count. Now, Uh, people understand it's not like if you have six wins and I have five, you get to go to the playoffs. It's It's a point rating system. So it's all based on the number of countable games you divide by that number. So it all comes out in the wash. And, of course, if you play a ninth game, there's always the possibility that you're going to lose, and there's no advantage to losing. You would, you would go backwards in the standings. So I, I just think that's a bunch of, you know, you know what, and, um, hmm. you know, de- denied an opportunity for a good game. Because I would say BG and Exeter will be among the top four teams in the state next year would be my guess. And I'm going on too long here, I know, but – you know, we're going to play more games this year. Uh, the season's extended, more games, yada, yada, and it's just not turning out that way. Shifting gears, literally. Coach, let's go to NASCAR. Uh, I saw the replay of the Daytona 500. Uh, your impression of uh, what went on, and, and also tell me about those next-gen cars. <laughs> Restrictor plate racing takes a certain skill. And it also, I mean, if people have ever seen a race live, you would marvel at the speeds that they drive and how close they are to each other all the time. And sounds like the Exeter High uh, parking lot when school gets up. (laughs) (laughs) On your mark, get set, check flag. There you go. You're right, Roger. But, uh, you know, uh, the Penske Ford, the Penske company, they do a good job. The Fords, uh, what happens now in restricted plate racing for the most part is manufacturers work together uh, and until the end of the race. And then it becomes whoever's going to push you the, the most for the longest time and under control uh, will make the difference. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was happy. I, first time my guy didn't win. He finished fourth. He, he gave a big push to Cindric. Cindric blocked him at the end. Yep. What? Yeah. First timer for, for a a win in the cup race, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Austin Cindric. Right. And he took Keselowski's car, and uh, yeah. Now the next gen car, I you know I think next week and the upcoming weeks will tell us more about the next gen car as to how it will race. I mean, will it's supposed to 
equalize the playing field. So even teams with small budgets or do not that do not have a large stable of cars in their team should be able to compete with the bigger boys like Penske, Hendrick, uh, Joe Gibbs, etc. I don't know. I don't know because I haven't seen them really race other than the restrictor plates. So I think we'll know more about the next-gen car. I'll say this. It's changed pit, pit stops a lot mm. because in the past where you had to have five lug nuts, now you have one lug nut. That's what I was going to ask you about. I, I See, I hadn't picked up on that. And uh, what was it? Two or three cars. The wheels flew off <laughs> the tire on one of them. Oh, the, yeah. Well, the right. <laughs> they just didn't tighten they up. Have to, well, they have to make sure that it's, it's locked in. Yeah when they do it, but they should be able to because it's not as long as a, a procedure. You yeah. know, with the five lug nuts, that took longer. Well, the equipment truck snuck out of Fenway Park with no fanfare this season, uh, heading to Florida with the equipment for spring training. Uh, but spring training and the Major League Baseball season right now are in jeopardy with the player-owner impasse. Roger, what's your take on that? Fans are leaving left and right, and, and this is probably the worst thing they, that could have happened to them. They, they can't get out of their own way, you know? Yeah. It's a sport that's, that's really hurting. It is. And, uh, Losing audience every day, it, it takes, uh, uh, you know, I, I just don't understand it. I don't. As a baseball fan, I'm like, wow. Yeah, and all the changes I hear are silly, you know, to me anyways. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're helping themselves is, is the long and short of it for me, sure, you know. Well, folks can catch up on the New Hampshire Schoolboy Baseball on your website. That's NewHampshireHardball.com. Uh, Coach, your take on the MLB situation. I've made the statement before. I think it's the millionaires battling the billionaires. <laughs> and I don't right. really, I don't really... You know, I mean, if that's what they want to do, go for it, I guess. I, I I don't know. You know, will I go back and watch the Sox when they come back? Yeah. But what they need to do is they need to do something about the pace of the game. I think we're going to see something happen in the next week because the owners have gone on record as saying they are not going to, if games are not played, they are going to be canceled and not made up. So they're not going to do it with the double seven inning double headers. So what that means is if you are a baseball player, major league baseball player, you are going to start losing one 162nd of your salary for every game that is not played. So I think that is going to spur both the owners and the players to make concessions and end this foolish strike and get them both back on the field. I hope so. Because when you start losing money and they said that the owners weren't worried about losing spring training games because they don't make a lot of money out of that. Two-minute drill time. Roger, lead us off. 
Uh, two things, Sherm. The dynasty of NHIA sports right now, which is the Exeter Unified Basketball Team. Yeah. Won another title. I, I may be wrong, but I think it's six in a row. I believe so. Wrong about I that. believe you're right, yeah. So congratulations to them. Um, too bad they didn't get a chance to play at Durham, as I think you mentioned to me earlier. I did. Um, yeah. um, but, you know, still uh, – championships a championship no matter where it's played and uh but my other thing real quick sherm is i I know it was a long day for those of us who had worked those four games at unh but i'd like to see more sports at the high school level play those championships at one venue one day of course i'm really talking about football mostly uh even if we could just do division one and two at the same location Mm -hmm. but even um even when they have the baseball and the hockey, you know, baseball at where the Fisher Cats play, it's been interrupted in recent years. Uh, they've had to play two on one day and then two on a Monday night. You know, right. it's a great day when you have four games lined up and mm-hmm. the fans stay and see other divisions. Um, and, and it adds to the atmosphere. So, you know, I just, I just like to see that. I thought, you know, I know a few people that hung around division one boys fans hung around for later games and vice versa. And um, it's, it's just a good day to showcase your product. And I like it when they do it that way. You're absolutely right, Roger coach. You're up on the two minute drill. Well, what I would like to, uh, again, I'm going to mention girls ice hockey doesn't get a lot of publicity. Uh, give it a chance. People it's, it's a very exciting game. Uh, it's just like boys ice hockey without the checking. And I, I know the girls would love to see the stands as full as possible when they, uh, when they play. For my two-minute drill, uh, at the time we are recording this episode, championships have been decided in three out of the four divisions for the boys and girls basketball tournament for 2022 uh let's go start with the ladies first congratulations to the division one champion bishop Girton cardinals division two it was hanover high school and division three for the ladies it was the monadnock huskies for the guys in division one was the trinity pioneers coming up with a championship in division one division two the sauhegan sabers and in division three that was the guilford golden eagles coming out on top now division four for both the boys and girls still to be decided. We'll have that information for you in the next episode. Also next up hockey tournament time coming up and that'll culminate on March the 12th at SNHU arena in Manchester. It'll be an all day affair. The NHIAA state championships for the boys and girls. Again, that's on March 12th, the NHIAA hockey tournament. So good luck to the Exeter high school boys and girls teams who are involved in the tourney and we'll see how far they get and we'll keep you posted there. And also one last thing, congratulations one more time to the Exeter Blue Hawk Unified Basketball team uh, winning their sixth consecutive title. We got a dynasty there. Congratulations to coach Sharon Orchard, coach Bill Ball and all the teammates that have been a part of that unified program over the past six seasons. Congratulations. What great work for all of you guys and gals. And that does it. On behalf of the coach, Bill Taylor, and our special guest today, Roger Brown from the Union Leader, NewHampshireFootballReport.com, and NewHampshireHardball.com. 
I'm Sherm Chester, inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe to Exeter TV on YouTube and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seco Sports Forum and other local content. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages and send us your game footage and photos to our email. That's secosportsforum.extv at gmail.com. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Thank you.